Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Situation Room. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Situation Room. I am Jordan Coe, at Raven Sit Room on Twitter. Um, My co-host, Gabe Ferguson, is at Gabe Fergie. And we are coming at you after a nice... Uh, week two win against the Cincinnati Bengals. And, um, you know, I think when we were looking back at it, Gabe, you know, we both got to be pretty happy. This would have been, this would have been one of those ones that you booked as an L uh, heading into the game. And so, you know, you guys have already heard some of our hot takes overall. Um, You know, our take this year is to kind of come up right out of the gate. We're going to try and get you guys some contact on Sunday or Monday nights or Thursday nights, the same night uh, as the game comes out, give you some takes that we had from what we saw in the game and then go back and, Rewatch the game and take a look at what we saw. Uh, give you a little rundown on what we thought saw, thought happened overall. Give you a take on you know what we thought about our takes initially, and then talk a little bit about what's coming up in in the next week. So um, you know, Gabe, a big win, you know, on the road against Cincinnati, a nice little vengeance game after the playoff game that uh, you know the Ravens weren't able to put over the finish line last year. But you know, what was your takeaways from these games? I mean, I, th- I think my big takeaway is just that the offense looks like what we've all envisioned the Ravens offense to look like with Lamar Jackson for the past, you know, two, three years. Um, this is kind of the next step that we wanted to see the Ravens offense take in terms of, you know, being able to pass the ball well, still being efficient, running the ball, um, you know, diversification of the run game, diverse personnel usage, all those things that we've kind of been like, pandering for over the past you know couple seasons that we haven't gotten to under greg roman i think we're realizing now with with todd munkin and it's it's a really nice next step um especially with you know lamar jackson now under contract for the next five seasons to have him in like a real nfl offense that has like a real passing game it's exciting to see um and i think it really elevates the um expectations for what this ravens team can be um, because it's no longer kind of that super, you know, med- medieval offense, I think, as is what it's been called at times, just kind of like, uh, a, like a high school offense, even um, kind of in how simplistic it was in terms of like the personnel usage and some of like the, 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 the same play calls being used over and over again. So to me, that is kind of, you know, the big takeaway. And, you know, week one, we saw bits and pieces of it. And it was kind of still a work in progress. And week two, we saw it all kind of come to fruition. And, and that was really nice to see. And I think it's, you know, a building block for us to hopefully the rest of the season. Yeah. And this is, you know, if you're looking at the box score or the final score of this game, you might feel like it was closer than it was, but this is a game that the Ravens had really put away heading into that fourth quarter. I mean, they had a 10 point lead um, going into when Cincinnati scored that last touchdown with 328. I think, you know, that 16 play 80 yard drive, you know, was one where they, they were off the gas, so to speak. Um, And they didn't need to be because of that 10 point lead. And so it looks deceptive because they gave up 24 points, but that also includes that punt return 
It includes that missed kick from Justin Tucker. Um, not the cleanest game overall for Baltimore. And I think that to kind of back up what you were just saying, that that was, was my big takeaway, that, that the Ravens, your expectation to go in against what would be a touted Super Bowl potential contender on the road week to way less healthy overall than the other team is to go in and expect to have to play a perfect game to be competitive or to win. Um, and the Ravens were far from perfect overall in this game. I think special teams really undid them to a lot of degrees overall. And I think that, you know, that is what it is. I think they're going to get that cleaned up, but um, you know, that's what also what happens when your depth of your, your roster is kind of, you know, sucked away um and you're asking guys to be that were supposed to be core special teams guys to be now being core regular defense guys or regular offense guys um you know and what that might do overall but um you know i think at the end of the day the name of the game was the offense right um and this was a game that the offense felt like they were completely in control of throughout the balance of the game they really just didn't feel like there was a drive i mean right out of the gate 13 play 75 yard drive really you know, on schedule, on brand, really kind of felt like it was what it should be overall for the team. You know, what were you seeing from the offense? So um, a few things that stood out to me, and, you know, I already hit on kind of like the high level stuff, but, you know, one of the things that caught my attention week one that I was a little concerned about was the run game. I didn't think it was really clicking um, as well as I would hope to see. Um, I think that really changed last week. Um, they, they were much more efficient in the runs, um, whether it was Justice Hill or Gus Edwards or, or, you know, Lamar actually had a pretty big impact in this one as a scrambler. Um, I think there were only like two design runs and one of them might've been like a, a draw on like third and long. Um, so it was, it was, but it was good to see, you know, just being able to like pick up, you know, five, six yards on an, on normal run calls. Um, and one of the things that was really interesting to me was the diversification of the run game. Um, you know, you saw all kinds of different types of run, run plays. We saw some jet sweeps going to, to Duvernay to seal the game um, on, the, on that uh, final drive um, to kind of close out the Bengals. Um, we saw, you know, some outside zone. We saw some inside zone. We saw a couple of pitch plays, um, you know, some gap. We, we, we had a return of the, of the counter bash. Um, that was, that was the, one, you know, Lamar Jackson run where he looked like he almost sprung it for a touchdown. He got like a kind of like an ankle tackle. And I think if he had like not been tripped up there, he might have gone for like gone for, a, you know, a touchdown on that one. So like that type of thing that to be able to hold on to some of those pieces of the run game that Greg Roman used really effectively and, and still be able to have that as part of the offense, as well as some of the other things that, um, you know, Monken is bringing in. It was just a really um positive note i think um and you know the Bengals aren't a slouch you know they're not a bad team defensively um so against like i think a lot of people consider you know maybe a top 10 defense a really good defensive coordinator to be able to kind of like bring it to them to me that was like one of my biggest takeaways and then the other thing was just lamar jackson played really really well in this game you know i i talked in week one about you know i thought he didn't play very well i i don't think he, he i mean he even tweeted you know he was rusty like Week two, he was not rusty. He was on point. He was making great throws downfield. He was making quick, short, decisive, accurate throws um, on third down, like keeping the chains moving. Like his pocket movement was really, really impressive in this game. The ability to kind of like avoid pressure um, and still kind of go through his progressions and his reads um, just to keep the offense on time. Um, it was just a really, 
really good game from Lamar Jackson. And one of those kind of games that indicates this is what he's capable of doing. This is why he got paid the big bucks. You know, he can make those plays in the pocket. He can also, you know, make plays with his feet to to pick up critical third downs. Um, so overall, those are my two biggest takeaways. Lamar Jackson looked great. Um, and also the, the the running game was was exactly what I think we need to, to kind of complement what Lamar Jackson can do as a passer. Well, for me, again, you know, it's talked a little bit about how it's important that they won this game on the road, but being able to go and put that offensive performance up on the road, I think that, um, you know, I, I saw a clip of Gus Edwards on one of his runs. It was an audible check that Lamar had at the line. Gus couldn't even hear it. And he didn't even, <laughs> he had a sense of what was happening based on how the play unfolded in front of him, but he didn't hear the audible at the line to be able to do that in a hostile environment um, and be able to come out with that performance. And I think, you know, that was the, to me, one of the big takeaways, which was Lamar being able to check in and out of some of the things that he wanted to do. Um, you know, I, I think to me, the one big play, and this was, you know, my big, my hot take last week was if the Ravens can't figure out how to stop cover zero, then they're not, they're not a legitimate Super Bowl contender because that's something they're going to have to get figured out. And if they can't figure that out, they're just, they're, they're, they're not going to be competitive. Um, and what we saw was Lamar checking out of a cover zero play where he came in and, you know, Cincinnati brought everybody up to the line. And the result of that ended up being that whatever Lamar checked into resulted in Cincinnati getting out of that play. And that's exactly what Baltimore needs to be able to do, because whether it's a combination of it doesn't matter what a combination of why they're in those cover zeros and why they aren't successful, um, but being able to be able to threaten against that and be able to do that with success is, is where you're going to where this team is going to be able to find a lot of improvement overall. Yeah, and I, I think that just kind of goes to show more of the evolution of the offense with Lamar Jackson, given more control, more, the ability to audible the line. That wasn't always the case with, with Roman as the offensive coordinator. So um, definitely an improvement there. Um, and, and you mentioned, you know, the blitz um, and, and how not only able the ability to kind of audible into a different look potentially, but also just the performance versus blitz. It, it wasn't very good in the first week. Um, you know, I think they had a really low, like, um, epa per drop back um just like they didn't they didn't have a good answer for it and this week they actually got blitzed just as much if not more um i think you know the Bengals kind of saw that on film and took advantage of it but the ravens had you know a counter to it they had the kind of the hot read and they and they had better you know plays available to them and lamar jackson was actually really good against the blitz i think both his touchdown passes um came when they brought you know five or more um players and that just kind of is exactly what this offense is going to have to be able to do because you know i think teams are are still going to have that as like a, a way that they think they can beat this ravens offense is to kind of bring that extra guy that might not be blocked or might be coming from like a you know a, a difficult you know kind of way to read it um you know showing like you said the cover zero we have like seven or eight guys and you don't know where they're all going to come from or they're, they're going to drop um but th having the ravens be able to ID that and have like, you know, counters for that. that that's really important. Um, and if, if if they can start, you know, having good counters for that, it's, it's going to be hard to figure out how exactly do you do you attack this Ravens defense? Because if you just, you know, sit back with like, um, or I'm sorry, I said the Ravens offense, um, sit back with like seven guys and, and zone coverage, um, you know, they've also shown the ability to kind of pick that apart. They have the receivers now that can threaten that, that can find those, those spaces in, in zone coverage. You know, Mark Andrews is like a, 
a zone beater. He's one of those guys who's just going to eat you alive if you just drop into you know simple zones. So like it's hard to figure out how to attack this this offense. Like there's not many weaknesses they have right now on paper. So um, I mean we're still only two weeks in. There's going to be a lot of good teams that we're going to see. Um, so we'll see what these what some of these other defenses try to do. But right now it's looking like you know the the, the Monken and, and Lamar offense is is in good position to move forward. I think the thing that I'm most excited to be watching is the evolution of where this offense is going to go to. I think that, you know, it's easy to think that an offensive coordinator is his install and is his main system. But what I, and and we saw that with Greg Roman, right? Like go back to 2019 and look at the original install, look at the game plans that were rooted in that install and the league just couldn't catch up fast enough. Um, And as a result of it, he was effective and a little bit better than everybody. Right. Um, I think that the elite offensive coordinators aren't are not only good at the original install, but they're good at the adjustments that have come after that, or they're good at the coaching that evolves on top of that. And I think that's the thing that Lamar has been missing in his career. What I'm really interested to see to kind of wrap a bow around that point is what it's going to be like when Munkin is now telling Lamar, okay, this is what you're looking at. These are where the play calls are going to be. When you see these kind of coverages, this is what the results were going to be. This is how we're going to adjust to that. This is how you should adjust to that. Whatever those little nuances are in that process, I think there's a lot of opportunity for the Ravens offense to get to the next level um, with Monkin kind of stewarding and guiding Lamar in that process. And it's very it, – it, it would be, I think, impossible to say that you didn't already see a little bit of that going from week one to week two. And so whether that's Lamar's work, whether that's the offensive line's work, whether that's Munkin and how he wants to call the game's work, um, we saw an offense that sputtered a bit against Houston and did not sputter at all um, in this game against Cincinnati. And and one last thing I wanted to mention um, about the offense. There's just some like small nuanced things that I thought were really interesting. Um, one of them was on that final drive when when the Ravens had to get a couple first downs to to finish it. Uh, you know, I mentioned the the du- two Duvernay jet sweeps, um, and I think that was interesting. I mean, we've seen that you know Duvernay given opportunities in the past, but like to just to really have the trust in, in that type of play to be worthwhile. But on top of that, the the first first down that was achieved, I think it was the first one, was a third and I want to say it was like a third and two, third and three, and they dropped into shotgun. Lamar dropped back to pass the ball with it was like third and short. Um, they had five receivers and in, in routes and they just said, Lamar, you can either, you know, if you have the guys open, you can pass it or you can like, you can go get, get the first down with your feet. And that's what he did. He scrambled, he got the first down. But what's interesting to me about that is because you put five guys into routes, you then occupied all the defenders. Like they had, they, they brought four guys to pa- rush the passer. They doubled Andrews. And then they had five other guys, basically one-on-one matched up. Like, they one guy deep and then like four guys matched up on the other four receivers. And that's exactly where you want Lamar to succeed. Like if you have that, if you have every single defender occupied, Lamar Jackson's going to win like nine out of 10 times, unless he like slips or if somebody completely like, whoops their guy, like along the offensive line, um, that's a win every single time. So like if you put those guys into routes that are actually viable routes and you have viable players, no offense to Patrick Ricard, but he's not a viable third down, like receiving threat that allows Lamar Jackson to do what he can do best. So that was just a really interesting note. I thought in a critical point in the game to put that amount of responsibility on Lamar Jackson, say, Hey, go win this game for us. And he did. So I thought that was a really cool thing. 
Yeah, and, you know, it was both sides of the ball in this game. You know, the offense obviously dictated most of this game, created the lead and created the space for them, but the defense played quite well overall as well. And I think the context of that that's worth pointing out with Cincinnati is that I think that Cincinnati's offense is in some ways and almost tailor-made to attack the way the Ravens' defense wants to try and work because they're going to give up the stuff underneath. They're going to allow you to take a lot of dink and dunk throws. They're going to let you have 14, 15, 16 plays on a drive if you can. And they're going to try and stop you in the red zone when they get down there. And that's where they're really going to try and squeeze you, try and amp up the pressure, really, you know, use those simulated blitzes. So they're not overcommitting and making you work all your way down the field. Um, and Cincinnati will take that every time they will be as boring as they need to be. You know, the Ravens, obviously the Ravens defenders were well-prepared for some of that underneath stuff, but the res end result of what we got in this game was either it felt like you, it was either a three and out or it was a Bengals drive that got all the way down into the red zone. Um, and I think that, that these teams are kind of designed to create those outcomes within each other. Um, and so to see a Ravens defense that say discipline, that tackled in the open field when you needed to, um, to be able to be effective. Patrick Queen had another fantastic game overall. I thought Roquan Smith actually had a pretty mediocre to, to not great game overall. Um, but Patrick Queen came out and balled out again. Um, the secondary came out and balled out that Rocky Sin separation on that Jamar Chase fade route or kind of back shoulder throw, whatever you want to call it, was a tremendous play overall. Um, you know, you, you just got a steady uh, workman-like product from this Ravens defense again. Um, and if it wasn't for that punt return for the touchdown, you know, who knows, you know, this might have been a 17-point or less, you know, performance overall from the Cincinnati team. Yeah, and I think um, the, the one of the takeaways for the defensive side of the ball is they don't have they didn't have their best defensive players out there. You know, they didn't have Marlon Humphrey, they didn't have Marcus Williams. Um, Adafi Owe only played like the first half before he he left with an injury. Um, you know, they're missing some of probably you know three of the four best players you have on defense, and they're you know they're kind of like going at it as as a unit. You know, they're playing. Um, discipline ball. You mentioned that, you know, good tackling, especially in space. Um, Patrick Queen, Geno Stone, both those players really stood out in that aspect. Um, you know, I think Ronald Darby is, was kind of like a under the radar pickup that the Ravens made, you know, I think like three weeks into training camp and he's come in and been like a very solid contributor for them. Um, you know, he may not be like a shutdown man-to-man -man corner, but he's, you know, reliable and he's steady and, you know, he he's someone who can, you can count on. Um, I, I think between him and, and Rocky Sin and hopefully Humphrey getting back, you know, in the next week or two, I think they have a, a nice, you know, and, you know, I didn't even mention Brandon Stevens. So I think he's also played really well um, as basically like he's been out there, I think pretty much every snap. So between those guys, um, I, I feel really confident in what they have at, at that position, you know, better than I thought, you know, in the off season, not getting Marcus Peters back. Um, there was definitely some concern there, but, you know, these veterans that they picked up for, pretty cheap i think have been really good contributions and they're gonna they're gonna help out over the course of the season um you know we saw this week that our darius washington was put on the ir um so that, i think that's a bit of a loss you know having somebody who was basically your starting slot cornerback um not available we'll have to see who comes and plays that role um moving forward it, it might be uh you know uh, williams um if he comes back off the ir um we might see humphrey play 
a lot in the slot once he gets back from his, you know, his foot injury. Um, you know, they still have Arthur Millette, who I think they looked at as a potential slot option. So there is some, you know, depth there, but um, it is a little bit concerning because I think he played really well, especially in the first week. Um, the second week, um, he had a few struggles, especially against um, Higgins, who was kind of just like a size mismatch. So that's just kind of a, and he's a very good wide receiver. So that's, that's a tough matchup for anybody in the slot, but um I, I hope that it's not anything serious for Washington. I don't know if the details of what the injury, I think is maybe a chest injury um, have come out. So I, I don't know the, the length of that stay on the IR is going to be. Um, I think the Ravens are probably in a roster crunch because they have so many players who are banged up right now and they needed to have a roster spot for like, I think Mustafer to get got added to the 53. Um, but overall, I think they still have some depth at the cornerback and it's going to be, it's going to be good to have, you know, players who can kind of move in and out of, of different roles and, and be, you know, just you know contributors they don't have to be like star players but people who can be disciplined tackle cover not get beat over the top um that that's what this defense is meant to do and they're gonna play a lot of zone coverage they're gonna mix it up they're gonna press at the line of scrimmage and there's gonna be physical with the other team and i think that's going to lead to a lot of those either like you said three and outs or or long extended drives where there's no explosive plays being let up yeah definitely well you know like you said, lots of injuries. Tyus Bowser also on that list right. of guys on the defense. So this is this is a defense that's going to improve overall as the season moves along. I think you mentioned it, Ardarius Washington. You know, as a matchup against T. Higgins is just you know, that's a mismatch overall. But you know, Arthur Millette is a guy that the Ravens have waiting in the wings to step in. Um, now that Washington is hurt, so you hope that depth holds up. You hope Humphreys comes back. I mean, Marcus Williams not being on the IR is an interesting, you know, potential evolution of him coming back sooner than than we might have thought overall too. So, um, you know, it's really hard to, uh, you know, given all the talent that um, that you see on the Cincinnati side of the ball on offense, it's, re it's really just hard to kind of go back and watch this defensive performance from the Ravens, um, you know, and not be not be happy with what they saw overall. So, you know, let's go back and take a look at some of our hot takes. And I think I'm going to actually flip the order of mine because we're talking a little bit about the defense. And I want to talk a little bit. You know, I said that I, this looked like a defense that once Marlon Humphrey came back was going to have an opportunity to be elite. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about what that means in particular due to kind of what we see from some of these other teams Um and, you know, not just in the AFC, but just how these teams, some of these teams are built when you see multiple wide receivers that are going to be able to be effective and be able to match up one on one and needing to be able to attack that and getting what the Ravens have seen from Stevens and Rocky Sin so far. You think that you don't have to have a guy like our Darius Washington matched up on a guy like T Higgins in those isolated one on one situations overall that you'll you'll be able to when they kind of bring those guys in. Um, tight to each other that they'll be able to kind of cross them up. They'll be able to mix them up. They'll be able to move somebody inside. That's going to be able to have the size to stay with somebody like that. Um, and quite frankly, that was the difference in Cincinnati having, you know, two touch offensive touchdowns of this game and having three field goals instead of one field goal. Um, you know, if they didn't have that mismatch down low and they weren't able to attack them that way, you know, it made a big difference. And I think Humphrey is going to be able to come back and be that other shutdown guy. He's a guy that could go inside the slot in those situations where they need to. A lot of teams are going to move guys into the slots in those situations. And so it seems like, okay, yeah, duh. Like saying that this team is going to be elite because the best, <laughs> likely the best defender on the defense hasn't been playing. When he comes back, they're going to go to the next level. I think it's, yes, part of that. But I think even more so, it's the matchup of, 
what it looks like overall from kind of the defensive playmakers and what, what our expectations are in those situations um, from some of those guys. Yeah, I think that's what, what Humphrey has always provided this team is, is that guy who's able to kind of take the opposing team's best wide receiver out of the, out of the situation and, and really like shut that guy out. Um, he's, I think one of the better ISO defenders in, in the NFL when he's, when he's healthy and at his best, he really can be someone who can take away your, your opposing team's best receiver. Um, and a team like the Bengals is tricky because they really have like two legitimate one, number one wide receivers. So like if he's taking away chase, then, you know, maybe someone else has to take away Higgins or maybe he's on Higgins and some, and they can like kind of do like the new England thing where they double the other guy. Um, but right now they don't have that one guy who you can just like lock down an opposing like re- receiver. Um, so having him back, I agree is, is, is going to be huge. And, as, but you know, him as is just a piece of the puzzle. And I, I think the other thing that's really going to have to improve for this defense to take the next level is going to be the pass rush. Um, some teams, you know, they're just going to counter, you know, your pass rush by like getting the ball out quick. And that's what, that's what we saw from, you know, Burrow in this game. Like, it was a lot of like quick passes out to like uncovered receivers at the line of scrimmage or like, it was so many, so much of that. It was like such a boring game to watch from, from their side of the ball. They didn't even try to take shots over the um, deep shots at all. So like, if, if that's what teams are going to do, then I think that's a win for the Ravens. You know, if, if you're forcing them to like, not even um, try to take any like shots downfield and just play check down football, that's, that's, it's a good way to get three points if you're lucky on a drive. Maybe you can get seven, but you're not going to be able to do that every single drive. It's it's just too difficult to kind of constantly complete and pick up, you know, enough yards in order to keep keep getting third down for third down for third down. It's, it's really hard to do that in the NFL. Um, so the the pass rush um, is one of my biggest questions moving forward. I know we're talking about um, about uh, Humphrey here, but um, I think the you know the coverage and the pass rush work hand in hand. Um, you know, if if you don't have a pass rush, if you have the best corners in the world, it, it's not going to matter because there there's still going to be time to you know find somebody downfield. So, Owen needs to get healthy. Bowser needs to get healthy. Um, I like what I've seen from Clowney so far. So hopefully, um, you know, he can continue playing at the level he's playing at. Um, I think Matt Abike needs to figure his stuff out because he's been he's got what, like four penalties through two games, three of them personal. Um, he needs to play more discipline in our control because when he's at his best, he's, he's definitely a difference maker for them up front as well. So hopefully, you know, they kind of get all these guys back and we'll, and we'll see what this offense or defense can really look like. Um, but it's, it's, it's definitely something that I think has a very high ceiling once all the pieces are there. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a work in progress, but Mike McDonald is also just doing a fantastic job with the parts yeah. and the pieces that he's got, the, the way they use Roquan Smith as the fulcrum of that defense. And I think the Bengals were doing something in this game to specifically kind of misdirect Roquan. And that's why it looked like he didn't have a great game, but that's also what took them out of the rest of their offense. So if you're going to change what you're trying to do to flow against what you're showing, then you're going to have to be better in that process. And if the guys around Roquan could step up in those situations, I think we're just going to keep seeing success from uh, success from this defense overall. But, you know, that dovetails right into your first hot take, which is that you you said the Ravens have the deepest roster in the AFC. And it's really hard to take a look at this roster and see, what, five, six, seven starters, you know, if you're including Bowser and, and kind of how you count them, um, you know, on this team overall, top to bottom, that weren't playing for the Ravens in this game. Yeah, and, you know, to still come out and have such a good performance without so many of your best players, it, it's just 
you know, we, I mentioned it on, on right after the game, but this is a, a masterclass. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. By Eric Costa. Like, there's so many doubters in this offseason. Um, you know, count me as one of them. At the beginning of the offseason, it seemed like things were definitely like headed in the wrong direction. But, you know, they got the Lamar deal done. They started bringing in these like kind of unheralded contracts or players, you know, we, we heard about, you know, Justice Hill getting extended and Geno Stone getting extended, um, Nelson Aguilar being brought in, you know, all, all those guys who seem like, okay, it's like a, whatever, when it happens have were key contributors in this game, like really important players that have added a lot, you know, some of those, you know, later additions, like, like Clowney, like, you know, um, uh, I mentioned uh, Darby earlier. I mean, those are basically starters for this team and they're playing well. Like these are players that were, you know, kind of nobody wanted, like they were late in the, in the training camp when the Ravens made those additions. Um, and it's something that I think there's like a, a willingness to, to be patient and like find the right players at the right price and not kind of like make any like rushed decisions and like, just because of like something that is like unexpected or maybe there's an injury. So you have to like panic and do something. That's not the way that they've been doing things. They've been taking a very like um, kind of thoughtful and, and you just, I think the appropriate and uh, approach to just, you know, finding the right players and making sure you have the depth everywhere. And that to me was what, what was the difference in this game because they they had those contributions. And some players have like, really stepped up. I mentioned Stone and Aguilar, but also Patrick McCarry. You know, he looked like a starting caliber tackle. He didn't let up one pressure the entire game. Like from your from your backup left tackle against a like a pro ball caliber like defensive end and, and Trey Hendrickson, that is a phenomenal day for someone who a lot of people like thought was going to be you know, just a, like a, you know, a rotational, like offensive lineman, but he can be a starting left tackle in this league. Like he's done that for two seasons now in place of Ronnie Stanley. That's very impressive. And you, and they have him at like a very cost controlled contract over the, I think two more years now, that's an incredible asset to have on this team. And like, I don't know any other team that has a player like that. They can just bring off the bench and like substitute in to play left tackle for you at that level. It's, it's great place that the Ravens are at. Yeah, I mean, Patrick McCarry is is a, such a tremendous wild card for them. Um, and a guy, you know, at least in the Ravens pressers have made it sound like they told him that if he wanted the left left guard starting job that he could have it. And he, you know, was also willing to say, hey, I'm, I'm flexible and can play all these positions. You know, let's roll that way. Um, obviously, the impact of what that looks like for this team overall. Um, and yeah, you know, we talked about the depth on defense. You mentioned some of the guys that this team has brought in. I mean, we also have guys that, you know, like Mallette that I mentioned that haven't even found their way to the field yet. That's that's great news in a lot of ways, right? Um, that you have these guys that are those depth options. You've got Keaton Mitchell um, that's waiting in the wing, wings at running back. He looks like he's already ready to come, raring to go and, and ready to come back. So we're going to see him um, in week five. And so you've just got to be, you're right. You, you know, you, you can't not be excited about what we're seeing right now from, you know, this Ravens depth and, 
what they've been able to do. And look, this this is a critical stretch of the schedule, right? We're talking about all AFC matchups. So um, an AFC matchup to start the year in Houston and, and Indy. And, and they're not barn beaters by any stretch, but every conference win is ultimately a tiebreaker. And then you had three interdivision road games right out of the gate. Um, and to have the number of injuries that the Ravens have to be in a position where that has not unplugged them from being favored um, and has kept them on track in those road games of being able to to be favored in those games as it looks like right now is is just a huge testament to what we're going to get from this this team overall. And, you know, it, it you know, my next take was, you know, one that I said that, look, these playmakers are ultimately the ones that make a huge difference. And I think that I think obviously that that's. That's clear in a, a, a these guys are getting open. These guys are winning matchups. These guys are doing and making catches and doing things that Lamar Jackson has never had in his career as a starting quarterback. And so that's fantastic. And in its own right, that's going to give you something. We've seen these veteran moves from Odell Beckham to be able to draw penalties. It's really drawing the ire of opposing fans. But this is what, you know, it's what veteran wide receivers do. He understands how officials are going to call those games the the things that he brings in that dynamic to this team those are all all those things are fantastically important we saw mark andrews and what he does also as kind of like the fulcrum in the middle of this offense and what he does to give kind of lamar that sense of confidence and security blanket um all those things matter right um and we've seen all those things matter but i think that the thing that makes the biggest difference here in terms of playmakers for lamar is the fact that he is willing to make throws and take throws and take looks that I think that he wouldn't have taken before. Um, so the touchdown to Nelson Aguilar is a perfect example of that, where I think Lamar eats that ball in the past, tries to run with it, tries to force it into Andrews, tries to do something completely different with it. Um, but whether it's in practice, seeing that these guys can make those plays, um, being coordinated enough and synced up enough with these guys to have the confidence to make those things, to make that deep post road to Zay Flowers. And, you know, there's some questions as to whether that was double coverage and, and really from where Lamar threw it and where he threw it to, the safety really never had a chance to get to it. So it wasn't really double coverage per se and throwing it to the middle of a post route like that, yada, yada, yada. It doesn't matter. The fact that he was willing to, to take that shot with that kind of coverage on him that has not been typical of Mar. He's been lead, over leading guys in those situations. Um, you know, he makes the safe throw. There's a reason why he hasn't thrown a ton of interceptions in his career. Um, and we saw in this game with less separation um, and more opportunities, him willing to take those chances. And so that is, to me, what could potentially really unlock this Ravens offense to get to an even farther level. Yeah, it's a great point, especially, you know, with the with Lamar's willingness to kind of trust his receivers. I think that's something that outside of Mark Andrews, we haven't seen in years past. Um, and 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 partially it's because he's been let down, you know, when 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 he has, you know, given opportunities to receivers, most of them have kind of gone in a, in a bad direction. Like he's they've been dropped or they like led to the turnover, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think this is a completely different receiver room. It's a different offense, and Lamar has a lot more trust in these guys, and and that's great to see. Um, you you know you mentioned that deep shot to to Flowers. Um, I, I think I I saw that he had a similar play earlier where Flowers got open deep, and Lamar like took a, like a more like a simpler throw underneath that got first down, but um, that throw is going to be available, and and that type of play is going to be available to him throughout the season because 
you know, when you have those guys that demand attention, like Mark Andrews over the middle, or like your, your Odo Beckham that can, you know, win those quick routes potentially to get like, you know, a, a six yard on when you need like a third and five to have that option of a guy like flowers, who can take the top off the defense and also thre- threaten in that way, not only opens up the underneath that makes that throw easier, but it also allows you to get those explosive plays. Um, and I think that's going to be really fun to watch over the course of the season, especially with the speed that they have with flowers. I think Aguilar also, you know, he had a deep shot. They just missed to Aguilar earlier in the game. And one other note, I would say the, the, the Aguilar touchdown and, and there was a similar couple other similar throws um, to DuVernay and to um, Flowers in this game. Um, but that that slot fade seems to be a staple in, in their in their in their offense now, like especially when you're getting close to like the, the red zone, because um, that, that's that's a great, um, you know, way to get like a one on one matchup and utilize space. Um, and it really threatens the defense, especially like if they're, you know, playing like with like a um, a man to man where you have often you let the defender get like an outside release and you have that like a available kind of space coming from the slot so you can work towards the sideline. So I think that's a play that we're going to see time and time again, along with some of those deeper throws as well. And then now that, you know, Lamar like trusts his receivers, he has guys that can make plays. Obviously that Aguilar touchdown, he just missed flowers. Duvernay almost had a touchdown on a very similar play as well. So um, they had the speed to kind of make those plays. Um, and I think it's going to be um, really fun to watch um, as, as, you know, we get even more and more comfortable with this offense. And and, and I think it's going to be a, a really good season from Lamar where he's, you know, back to being everybody's kind of like, okay, this guy is like, you know, if not the best quarterback in the league, like he's one of your top three quarterbacks, like elite, elite talent, because I think there were some questions in the past couple of years. And I'm not blaming Lamar for that. I think, I think we've had some issues with the offense, Um, but it's pretty clear that in this iteration of, of what Lamar can do, this is a a top flight quarterback and it's going to be, um, he's going to elevate, you know, all these receivers around him and they're already quite talented. So I, I have high expectations for the way this offense is going to look. Well, and, you know, your next hot take was about how they close out these games, too, which is just as important. Yeah. Um, Gus Edwards was was really key um, down the stretch. Um, he had some critical, like, third and short that he was able to convert. Um, and he, you know, I, I, I like Justice Hill. Um, I think he has a really useful role in this offense as well. And I think they're both really going to be important parts moving forward because they do different things. They have different styles. Um you know, Edwards is the guy who's going to get you those like short yard conversions. Um, you, you mentioned that uh, that play where there was an audible earlier, and Edwards was like, "I'm not sure what the play is," but he like, but he instinctively like knew where to go with the ball. He's he, he has the vision to like see where the hole is, and he's able to pick up you know five yards without even like knowing what the play call is. Um, we had a really nice long run in this one. With those, it was a run that was like really blocked up quite nicely. Um, but he does have enough like burst to kind of like get through the hole and and you know make a player miss and pick up you know 15, 20 yards. But then when they mattered most, when they need to get that third down conversion, third and one to like seal the game, it was Edwards you know pushing the pile, getting through the hole, and making sure that the Ravens weren't going to be able to had no chance of giving the ball back to the Bengals. Um, and and I think there's going to be a lot of games where the Ravens are going to be leading, you know, in, in the fourth quarter. And they're going to need him to be that consistent guy who can, who can pick up, you know, those yards um, because he can't always rely on, on Lamar Jackson. And 
it's put too much burden to kind of make him be the closer all the time to have that other player who's able to go in there and close out games for you i think it's going to be huge for the ravens um down the stretch and you know also along the in the red zone and you know goal to go situations edwards is the guy who has that leg drive he can push the file um you know justice hill he got his two touchdowns in week one he's he can he can get skinny he can find the hole but if that hole isn't there he's he was stopped um and then edwards is a guy who, even if he's met by a defender he can he can run through that defender and, and still get through and pick up the you know the touchdown there so um looking forward to seeing you know both these guys but um i'm, I'm just glad that the ravens have you know a number of different options that they can use in their backfield yeah, I, you know, Gus Edwards is a bit underrated because, you know, what he's known for is his ability to not take a loss, right? What was his first, like, 50 or 60 carries for the Ravens? Um, he didn't have a loss of yards. And so, like, a lot of people translate that to, like, physical power, like, always falling forward. Those things matter, and he does those things really well. Um, but I think his vision of the field is just really underrated. Um, you know, even on the touchdown run that he had in this game, it wasn't even particular, you know, he, he did kind of hit a guy in the hole, but he was, you know, to the advantage in the way that he got through the hole. And really there was, there was no stopping him even at that point of contact from that touchdown. Um, even if it would have been a stuff, I think it was still would have been a touchdown. Um, and so, you know, his ability to see those things blocked up to kind of have the right patience when he needs patience and have the right acceleration through the hole when he needs to, to have that through the hole, his ability to see his offensive linemen um, set up and make those blocks. You know, that's just something that we just, you know, I, I like Devin Duvernay and I, and I like Justice Hill, but their ability to read leverage and kind of have a good sense of where those cuts and kind of where those reads need to be just isn't the same as what we get from a guy like Gus Edwards. So I get keeping him on a pitch count if you need him to be healthy, especially with Keith Mitchell on the IR right now. Obviously, the Ravens just brought in Kenyon Drake. They want to be careful and they don't want to overuse a guy that's coming off an injury. Um, but I think, I think you're right. He, he's going to be unequivocal in terms of closing out games. Um, and I think that, that at least right now it's, it's without question that he's the best running back on this team. Yeah. I mean, I, th I think in certain ways, I agree with you. Um, especially the fact that I think he definitely has the best like vision and I think he's the most reliable of, of their backs. Um, and, you know, there was a stat that came up, um, I think in the it was the Monday night game with uh, about Nick Chubb, um, who unfortunately you know had a really horrific injury. Um, but he he has a Nick Chubb like has a very high um, YPA um, over his career, it's like over five. And they threw two other players up there. I think it was Bo Jackson and I don't know someone else. And then the guy who's fourth on the list he didn't make the the screen grab, but it's actually Gus Edwards, who's fourth all time for running backs wide. Uh, yards per attempt um, for any running back with 500 plus carries. Um, and he's over five yards. I think he's like 5.2. Um, he's like, I think he actually has the highest success rate of any of those players in terms of like being able to convert, um, you know, like third downs, that type of thing. Um, goal to goes. Um, he's just been a really, really effective running back. And I think he's, he's definitely someone who like a lot of Ravens fans really like love um, and for good reason, but like, I, I don't know if he's really appreciated for just how good and effective he's been. And, you know, part of that has been like the offense that the Ravens have run, but in a completely different offense, we're seeing him be still just as effective. So I think that goes to show how good of a player he is. So um, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, moving forward, if the Ravens keep him 
on their roster because I think they, you know, adjusted his contract and kind of put some void years in there. So this this could be his last year as a Raven, but you know, th- there might be um, willingness from both sides to kind of keep him around because I think he still has some some really useful ability left. Um, and I, I think I'd love to see him, you know, remain with in Baltimore for the long term. Yeah, so those were our hot takes for the week last week. But you know, we got our new segment, our secret stars, and uh, you know, this is these are guys that may not be kind of hugely heralded overall and the big names that you see in the box scores. But who's your secret star this week, Gabe? So for me, it's a name we've already talked about. It's Nelson Aguilar. Um, you know, going back and watching the film, he he just like yes, his like he had he was a leading receiver, so it's not like he didn't he wasn't like hidden in this game, but like he's still the Ravens wide receiver receiver four, you know, on their, on their depth chart. Um, And he had obviously the huge touchdown, um, but he had a number of like really important, like third down or catches for first down um, in this game as well. Um, And he just looks like a guy who's just ready to come in and contribute. He doesn't have to be out there, you know, every snap, he's not going to complain about, you know, the number of, of, you know, targets he's getting. He's just, he just wants to like contribute, you know, he's, been in the league i think like eight or nine years he's a former first round pick he's kind of moved around from team to team um and you know he's had ups and downs in his career he's had some seasons where he's been extremely effective and some seasons where he hasn't been but so far he looks like a huge pickup for the ravens i think he's someone that you know they will use a lot um even with you know players who may not be um fully healthy um or you know if they have everybody healthy i think he's still going to find his way onto the onto the field and and be someone that they can use as a deep threat someone they can you know count on as like a chain mover and i think you know it's just one one more you know point to like the depth we talked about earlier um having someone like that as as your wide receiver four wide receiver five that can be an impactful player for you is is critical especially when you know you might have a couple guys to get banged up and you're not really losing any quality when you go to someone like Aguilar. yeah my secret star in this game was jadavian clowney um and not a huge first half but obviously we talked about him in the depth section i think he's going to play a huge role in this team um you know as we continue to move forward even once oa and bowser are back being able to have a guy like that that is flexible in run and pass defense situations um i think is going to be really important for this team i think it's going to allow them to pick and mix and match to endure injuries. We already are, you know, we already saw him kind of get some of that role due to that. And quite frankly, you know, you're not always looking at the box scores, but in a lot of ways he filled that up. He had a pass defense. He had two quarterback hits. He had a sack. Um, you know, he had four tackles, all really nice stats overall from an end in a situation where, you know, the Ravens weren't, I think, expecting to be asking that much of him coming in. And so it was really nice to see them be able to get some solid depth out of that edge down the line. Hopefully we see Oway coming back. Hopefully Bowser is back full full speed. But, um, you know, it gives you confidence about what the team can do moving forward if you got a guy like Clowney as, as being kind of that second, third, fourth guy down your, your depth roster chart on that outside linebacker. Yeah, I, I think that was a really important signing for the Ravens. Uh, you know, obviously with 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 Bowser not being able to start um, the season on the active roster, you know, having someone who's a veteran um, who can, like you said, be a good you know run defender who can have some juice in the in the pass rush, um, and just someone who who's a veteran presence out there. Um, you know, they've had you know Justin Houston in recent years. I think he's someone who's similar in, in what he can contribute to the team, um, and, and maybe even a little bit more in terms of like uh, overall like athleticism and kind of just like ability to kind of like just 
dominate um, tackles. We've seen him really be um, have some like really nice reps against against good tackles in the league. So I'm a huge pickup for the Ravens, especially where the, where they got him, and it was a pretty you know a, not a big contract either. So um, I'm I'm really glad that he's on the Ravens because they absolutely need the depth at outside linebacker, and um, we'll, we'll see you know how quickly some of these other guys can get back. But if not, he's going to be like their primary pass rusher for probably you know at least the next couple of weeks. And shout out uh, in this section to um, Mustafer as well. Being able to come in at center um, and really kind of tighten up on that offensive line. I, just, just, you know, th- those offensive linemen can get lost under the radar overall. I think he's he's worth at least a mention in this section. But, you know, look, we're, we're here. We're, we're knocking on the door of week three. You know, Baltimore at home against the rookie quarterback. I mean, we've seen this formula before, and it, it has not been a friendly one for opposing rookie quarterbacks. Um, you know, we might not even see Richardson. We'll see. You know, he's in the protocol, so potentially not being able to practice over that short week could be a factor. But that being said, Anthony Richardson has played the part so far of, you know, the value of his draft pick, two touchdowns rushing against the Colts team, you know, a similar offensive performance, honestly, overall. The Ravens offense seemed sluggish if you watched the Ravens game and you were a Ravens fan, but they did score 26 points against the same Houston team um, that gave up 31 to the Colts. So, you know, maybe, maybe we're overstating it a little bit in terms of Houston was just worse on defense and the Ravens just didn't have it together yet. Um, You know, is this a game that the Ravens Ravens fans should be worried about against the Colts? I don't know if they should be worried, but I definitely don't think you can just kind of write off the Colts. Um, You know, they have some, they have a good offensive line. You know, I think they were really banged up last year and and they've, they've gotten back and they're healthy. They've, they've passed block really well um, so far this season. So it might be a little tough for the Ravens who don't necessarily have like the most, um, you know, explosive pass rush um, or like edge defenders, as we talked about, it's one of the kind of one of the weaker spots on the roster. Um, so I think they're just going to have to play, you know, good sound defense again. You know, make sure you take away um, kind of the easy stuff. Um, we'll see if, if um, Anthony Richardson is available in this game. Um, he's, like you said, in the protocol right now. He's been, I think, impressive um, as a rookie so far this season. Um, and he's a real threat with his legs. That's not something that the Ravens have seen so far. Um in this season. So we'll see how they deal with a player like that. If, if he is out there um, and then, you know, trying to shut down that, that run game. I, I think that's what the Colts are probably going to lean on um, between Richardson. Um, we saw Zach Moss come in last week. Um, he, he was kind of a, a boost to their, their rush attack against, against Houston. So we'll see. I mean, it's, I don't think it's going to be an easy win by any stretch. Um, I think that, you know, they're really going to have to, to have a, an, an a game to kind of, win this one comfortably they are heavily favored but um you know i'm i'm not um thrilled to necessarily um see games like this where you know it's kind of like expectations like oh it's gonna be an easy one this is the type of i know the, the traditional trap game um we have two like road division games on coming up and those are the ones that kind of fans tend to look at and be like oh we have to win this and this is like the easy home game but um i'm I, I think where you attack them is is and defensively the Colts have some some really questionable players at at cornerback. So I think this might be a big passing game for Lamar and, and might actually be a higher scoring game than than we thought. Of looking at the schedule, 
Yeah, I think there's a little bit of a concern, you know, particularly with Richardson being a bit of a wild card. But, you know, again, we haven't seen a great Jacksonville team over, you know, the teams that they played so far haven't been terribly impressive. So it's going to be a good litmus test for the Ravens. It's going to be at home. There's going to be a little bit of weather. Um, I think I'm a little less concerned about this game than you are. I think that, you know, the Colts have got a couple decent players on defense. So it'll be interesting to see DeForest Buckner and Shaq Leonard matching up against Lamar and matching up against Munkin and what the, the team is trying to do overall. But um, I expect there to be more progression from this team overall in terms of their cohesiveness on offense. I think getting home onto their own turf, that's a little bit, you know, we saw some slipperiness on the Cincinnati field overall for this team, getting out of the crowd noise, getting the crowd team um, to kind of be giving Richardson or even Minshew or whoever that is a harder time. I just think this is a, this, this is a game that the Ravens should pretty clearly win. Um, and I think that, I think that they're going to take care of business pretty handily. I'll make a prediction. I think Lamar passes for over 300 yards in this game. I think it's going to be a big um, passing day for the, for the Ravens. And I'm going, I'm going to say Mark Andrews has over 100 yards catching or uh, receiving. Well, with Justice Hill potentially out or sidelined or limited, I think that the Ravens have shown that they're not looking to try and run Gus Edwards into the ground. So I think there's definitely some of that. And you've got all your, you know, you've got your core set of receivers. Obviously, we've got to keep an eye on the Odell Beckham injury. You know, maybe he's just nursing that so he can spend some extra time with his uh, with his new boo. Uh, but uh, that's just a joke, everybody. That's just a joke. Uh, I, I think that I, I agree. I think the Ravens are going to try and air it out. I think you want to avoid letting Buckner and Leonard kind of shut down your running game, put you into those situations where you don't want to be from a passing perspective. Um, and and we saw even CJ Stroud had a pretty decent game throwing the ball. Obviously, um, Trevor Lawrence had a good week throwing the ball against our defense in week one. I think we're going to see the same thing this week from the Ravens. So I'm excited to see whether or not we see a lot more of this 11 personnel. Um, you and I have talked about it a bit. The Ravens have, have been in 11 personnel uh, more than they have been. I think already half as much as they were the entirety of last season going into this game. Um, so would like to see them air it out. And I think, I, you know, again, I, I think the defense is really the – It'll be interesting to see how they handle a mobile quarterback that's probably a little bit more prone to run. CJ Stroud has that running ability, but obviously kind of was they kept him a bit tighter in the pocket. So, um, you know, for the sake of wanting to see the best players from other teams coming again up against years, you know, you hope that um, the Richardson is healthy to give him that crack. But um, I think the Ravens will be up to the task. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely expecting a win. Um, I, I do think this is a game where the, the defense might be tested a little bit in ways it hasn't been. So, um, I, th I think, it, like I said, might be a little bit higher scoring than might anticipate. But um, I would, if you're a betting person, I'd probably take the over. Uh, but I, I think in the end, um, I like the Ravens by about a touchdown. So I think they'll they'll win comfortably. But it, it's it might be a little bit more back and forth than I would I would like to see. Well, that's that's what we got for you guys this week. We're we're looking forward to this Colts game, getting you guys our hot takes right out of that. We'll we'll be keeping up our secret star segment, um, and then on, when we when we're we're getting our podcast out on Thursdays and Fridays every week, and uh, trying to give you a look ahead to the week ahead. We've got Cleveland, we've got Cincinnati, or sorry, we've got Cleveland and Pittsburgh on the schedule ahead. So 
there's definitely sense of a trap game here overall, Gabe. I think that's a, a great point to make here, especially with those games coming up on the road. So, um, you know, looking forward to this week, you know, would love to hear some of your hot takes, get you guys' feedback on kind of, you know, what you're seeing out there too, what your initial reactions are to some of these games. We'd love to cover some of those in the podcast if uh, we can hear them from you. Um, but until next time, you guys can find us on Twitter. I'm at Raven Sit Room. He's at Gabe Fergie. And uh, we'll see you next time in the Situation Room. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.